0: This is Ron Friends, comics illustrator, and this is a bumper for The Amazing Spider Talk.
1: Welcome to the Amazing Spider Talk. My name is Dan Gavosden and I'm the editor of SuperiorSpiderTalk.com.
0: And I'm Mark Gianacchio, the editor of the Chasing Amazing blog.
1: Thanks for joining us for the seventh episode of Amazing Spider Talk. We hope you enjoy this podcast and that it provides an intelligent conversation between two fans and collectors as we hope to look at the Spider-Man comic universe in a bit of a bigger picture.
0: Yeah, and for this episode, we'll be discussing Amazing Spider-Man Learning to Crawl 1.5, the mini-series finale, answering some fan mail, giving away some prizes, and then reviewing Superior Spider-Man number 33. Is that a series finale too, Dan? Uh, maybe. Maybe. We don't know. Okay. (laughs) If you guys hear this sound,
1: please check out your iOS device for a link to an article, video, or image to enhance your listening experience. Mark, we got two maybe finales to get to, so let's dive right in to Amazing Spider-Man Learning to Crawl, number
0: 1.5. Smile, though your heart is aching. Smile, even though it's breaking. When there are clouds in the sky, you'll get by. All right. So if the, the, the series finale of A Series, Dan, that that um, I've been beating up kind of hard over the last few podcasts. Um, I know you've been a little more forgiving of it than I, I have. Um, and I got to say, I... I In isolation, I liked the final issue. I thought that this was kind of the series that I would have wanted to read about over the last few months. I don't feel that we got that series the whole time. I felt we got it in the first issue and then this one, and then there was a lot of junk in the middle. Um, But I just felt that this, in terms of the focus, we've been talking so much. What is the story trying to say? What are they trying to, where are they going with this? And you know this idea of learning to crawl, the you know Peter learning to come to with great power, there must also come great responsibility. I felt this story had the beats that led to that, that that told that story. It was less consumed in continuity and trying to weave in and around established stories like the other issues were. Um, so so overall, I thought it was a solid piece of work. What about you?
1: That's funny, Mark. Uh, you know I'm I'm a little wowed over here that you enjoyed it so much. I, I have a bit of more of a mixed. Uh, feeling about this issue, which is strange to me that we find ourselves on... Well, I didn't dislike it, but, you know, I'm not cheering it onward.
0: Well, let's also not get crazy about the fact that, I mean, I didn't think this was, you know, a, a magnum opus of great comic book writing here. I mean, I'm just saying that in comparison from the last few issues, I thought this was a major step up that I felt if I had gotten... The first issue, and then this issue, issue in succession, and this was a two-part miniseries, and you know they somehow found a way to actually connect the two without all that weird stuff in the middle. I would have been happy with what Learning to Crawl had to say. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, here I'll I'll give it this: there's a lot of heart in this issue, um, yeah, uh, specifically around Peter's story. One of the things that 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 stands out to me in this issue is that, and maybe this is why you liked it is that Clash feels, or Clayton here, feels like an odd, like, afterthought. Like, there's nothing done with the character, and the solicitations promised... Uh, and, and I've been feeling this increasingly with the solicitations promising things, and then not delivering on them, but... uh you know, the solicits promised that we'd find out why he's not a character we've ever heard of before, which suggested some kind of mystery or something like that. And, you know, um, an issue can stand on its own merits, but so much of this series has been about this person whose ego has gotten the better of him. And, um, you know, that that he, you know, it's basically Peter Parker without learning the lesson. And for me, the way to successfully cap this story is... To tell two tales that you know, great power bears with it great responsibility or or great loss. You know, if if used inappropriately, and I don't feel like that character had any conclusion to him.
0: Yeah, I I guess I know what you're saying. I mean, you know, I I guess for me, I I I was mostly. I mean, I, I, I have not been a fan of the character. Really, for a while now, I mean, I felt that um, the, the, the characterization has been way too inconsistent. Um, in that regard, I do feel that, you know, he, he was, you know, for the first time, I feel from issue to issue, the character was in check with himself, you know, in terms of who he was and what he was doing. I mean, this kind of like heel persona um, that, that, you know, people either, you know, hate or, gra- or gravitate towards, um, you know, in terms of his personality um, but I, you know, I kind of felt that the, 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 the public humiliation, the fact that, uh, Spidey unmasked him at the end that that kind of like sent him to the showers and, you know, his story was over. I, I, I don't know if it required more beyond that. I mean, yeah, the solicitations made it sound like there would be more to that, but, um, based on what the story that, that they've been presenting over the last few issues actually was, I felt that it was tidy enough for me. In terms of you know clash's farewell,,
1: what did you think about the actual at, uh, act of unmasking of clash
0: at the same time yeah I, I did think I did find that a little weird um like isn't there like some kind of like code <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> especially, especially since Peter himself is so protective of his identity, I mean you know putting aside the nine hundred million times in history that he's been unmasked um, but um yeah, that 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 seemed a little odd to me that, you know, he would go to that length to prove his point to Clash, but I guess, you know, yeah, I don't I don't I'm not going to earn a no prize on this one. I'm just going to like leave it at that. That 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 struck me as a little odd and, and did did in fact weigh into my final opinion on the comic.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I I guess he had to unmask him because, you know, in his mask was the earpieces that protected him from his sound waves? Uh, I want, I want those no, noise canceling headsets. That's true. <laughs> but you know, yeah, I thought it was not cruel, but kind of inconsiderate, especially considering Peter's own, you know, value placed on his identity being yeah. hidden. I mean, yeah. it's kind of
0: like the superhero comic book equivalent of like putting someone in the stocks in in you know England or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. <laughs> like it def- definitely seemed a little kind of like wow that's like he's really making a point about humiliating this guy you know
1: yeah yeah well i guess peter um, still has some ways to go
0: yeah i mean what did you think of the the battle between spidey and clash
1: i thought it was a little underwhelming especially considering the last uh issue which i thought had a really wonderful battle and 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 that one added the idea that like Clash was slinging words around, and they were, you know, and I and I enjoyed that. Um, Here, it felt very similar to things we've seen in the past, and uh, I don't really know that I understand why Peter was successful because the last one was all about Peter um, expressing that he had been outsmarted and outpowered by uh, Clash, and he really took a beating and and had to kind of like think long and hard about himself and that ended with him going to uncle ben's grave and and all the other loss that he he suffered and you know and he was already trying to think smart in that last battle by inventing that device that would cancel out the sound and things like that and here he just kind of times it correctly and humiliates clash in order to beat him but that didn't feel like it was a new method uh, to destroying him, and I don't feel like Clash brought anything new to his, like the way that his powers were portrayed here. So it felt like a repeat, and 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 not one that convinced me. Oh, Peter did something extra special.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I, I definitely don't see eye to eye with you on that one. I mean, like, not that I, I I mean, I do agree that I think some of the earlier battles and earlier issues were more uh, creatively um, depicted and rendered. Um, but I mean, in terms of like. You know, core Spider-Man moments. I felt that this this was truer to the character that w- that we we know and love, and where he might be at this point in time. I mean, I think part of the reason why he failed in the last issue, despite the fact that he used his brains and in creative invention, was the fact that, like, um, well, first of all, he he came across the um, materials to make the invention, nef- you know, by nefarious means, um, which you know, I think. You know, it's kind of like that—that—that—that that, that, that whole lesson of karma that kind of haunts Spider-Man a lot of times. I mean, you know, I, I know that we don't use the word karma unless we're talking about Spider-Man India, uh, but but, um, but I mean, all the same, it's 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 this idea of you know using using the gifts that you got and 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 you know not not being irresponsible to 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 try and gain an edge, um, and I, I and I just felt like this was kind of a more pure intelligent approach. I mean, you know, the fact that he, he, uh, was trying to disarm them through the sense of humor and things like that, you know, which, you know, again, we can talk about the origins of spite of the Spidey patter. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I, I just, I, I liked where we ended up in this issue a lot more. I, I, I felt that, that, you know, this was a more truer Spider Man fight and thus I I bought that, that that's why he was able to succeed. I mean, you know, you can make that argument with a lot. I mean, you know, what, what was different in the original ASM three where he got his butt kicked by Doc Ock in the first part of the issue and then he was able to succeed in the second part. You know what I mean? It's like that kind of he regrouped, he you know, he he and he and he, and he was more strategic in how he approached it instead of just trying to come out like, you know, with the heavy heavy guns right away.
1: I guess so, but you know, doesn't he make stronger webbing, so that he can disable ox uh, tentacles?
0: All right, moving around a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Like I said, I still felt it was it was just a little, little more truer to the core of this. Of uh, I mean, like I don't know, like the yeah. But the webbing he used with Doc, did he steal the materials for that webbing?
1: Okay, so, like, you're bringing in some There's kind of, like, karmic justice that. here. Okay, I, I hear you on that point, but I still felt like there could have been – it doesn't need to be an invention, but, like, you know, some of the best fights are when Spider-Man, like, he goes back after losing and he says, you know, what did I learn and how do I then take that weakness? Or, like, the vulture, I learned that it's magnetic, you know, well, now I could build an anti-magnet device or whatever the hell that is and right. apply it to him. I don't feel like I got that here. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I, I guess I see what you're saying, but at the same time, like, I, I, I don't know. We, we, can, we can go back and forth on this all night if we wanted to. But, I mean, for me, like, I felt that um, it was almost more, I felt like this battle was more methodical. Like, he, he, like Spidey kind of, like, controlled the chaos to me.
1: Okay, you I can see that. I can see
0: that. And, and, you know, like, you know, the fact, you know, I mean, even the fact that it was in his school, I mean, it was, it's almost kind of like home field advantage. You know what I mean? Whereas, like, in the bugle office, it's kind of like, you know, neutral territory. <laughs> so, yeah, you, you're, yeah and, and with a wild card like Jonah, you know, so anyway, but. Timeline wise,
1: would that be the first official destruction of the bugle?
0: Um, I, I would think so, right? I the Bugles'
1: first run-in with, like, really bad insurance problems. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Man. Well, we said it's better than the Daily Planet that used to be here. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you mentioned the heart of this book, and, I, I, and you know, I'm guessing in terms of art, we, we need to talk about that Peter and Aunt May scene, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is, I think, the standout reason to read this particular issue.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I mean, and, and Dan Slott was even kind of hyping it on Twitter leading up to the release of this comic, and you know, I, I you know, I, I was fresh off of um, I think dissecting ASM 1.4 when he tweeted that out, and I kind of like rolled my eyes, like, yeah, okay, let's see what what you could do with Peter and Aunt May, and 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 you know, to his credit, I think that this was this was a well done scene. I mean, I, I I wouldn't put this in the pantheon of like Peter Aunt May moments. Um, but I thought this was a very well written sincere interaction between these two characters.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and made me reflect back on the pre- previous issues where you know Peter is laughing or, yeah, and, and it made me realize, Oh yeah, there has been a particular lack of humor in this book. Um, something I don't know that I would have noticed unless it was pointed out to me in, in, in this way.
0: Yeah. And, and you know, we, we, we have hit upon this idea of like Uncle Ben not, I don't want to call him the clown, but kind of, you know, the, the 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 jokester Uncle Ben in 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 other runs on this book. I mean, you know, I think most famously like Paul Jenkins and what he did in Peter Parker Spider-Man, you know, like sure. this this um so you know, it was kind of good to go go there because, you know, you, you can't really reference Dick O'Le when it comes to that kind of content because, you know, Uncle Ben was dead before he started in those comics, you know? Um, so, it was. I mean, it, 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 it's it's nice to bring those elements forward and to have a laugh. I mean, I don't know. The denture joke seemed a little uh, to me, but, I mean, I, I... At the same token, there was kind of an old-school quirkiness to it where I was like, all right, I, I don't see this being that far off in terms of maybe something... That could have happened in those early Spider-Man stories, if that makes any sense.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess the way that the page was laid out, where you, you get the reveal of the joke on the next page, right. I like, read it and I was like, what an odd beat to have Aunt May's dentures fall out. And then I turned yeah. the page and I was like, oh, that's actually funny. Like, I yeah. guess it worked on me a little better than I wanted to... – I guess I'm admitting it, but
0: – Yeah, well, that I, 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 to be honest, I had the same reaction. Originally, I was like, oh, you got to be bleeping kidding me. Like, what is this crap? And then, like, when they showed it and then there's the, the, the great Ramon Perez panel of just Peter true, truly jubilant and I was like, oh, OK. This is funny. <laughs> I don't know if I want to think it's funny, but it's funny. I'm not and, sure and,
1: how and, I feel about Uncle Ben with a lampshade on his head, but uh, I'll, I'll take it.
0: <laughs> how many margaritas did Uncle Ben have that night? Let me tell you. Um,
1: <laughs> you know, I was thinking do you think that they put the roses from Ben's garden on his grave?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I. I, I... No, that's a level of detail I don't think about, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> but, but hey, you know what? That's that's good. Um, I, I someone ought I to did. do
1: like a, a profile of all of the like eccentricities of of Uncle Ben, like all the different writers, all the things they've attributed to him.
0: You mean basically take like all of our outros during the Superior Spider Talk days and then just make an essay out of it? Yeah. <laughs> Remember that time you were with uh, Aunt May's ex-boyfriend who was in the mob? And <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I gotta just say, I, there, there was a line in that scene, in that scene between Aunt May and Peter that I actually really liked, um, which I guess some people didn't like. But um, this this idea of instead of honoring how you, how Uncle Ben died, that Peter was going to honor how he lived, and and I don't know, like I I, I feel like that's a that's an interesting addendum to with great power there must also come great responsibility because i just feel that i mean it's 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 still the acknowledgement of the responsibility for his death but it's like you know but you know peter by you know by proxy i mean he he is he's defending the living you know what i mean he he's he's protecting the living so he has to kind of like Think, think in that regard and not always be wowing on what happened in the past. That's kind of how I read it. I don't know. What what do you think? Well,
1: I liked it because, um, you know, it adds the implication that, like, that's how Uncle Ben lived his life. You know, we never saw Uncle Ben say this quote unless you read, like, Ultimate Spider-Man or watch the movies. And And, right. um, you know, and I liked Aunt May references, oh, did he have that talk with you? And they make a joke out of it. But, um uh you know, it implies that oh, there were probably several conversations about this, and it was a mantra that Uncle Ben lived by—not one that just would hit Peter upon reflecting on his death. Um, and I think if we had you know approached it this way from the very beginning, or with this kind of understanding early on, we could have avoided you know decades of uh, floating ghost head syndrome. Um, yes. But, uh, yeah, I liked it. I thought it was – it doesn't need to be one or the other. It's, it's a nice little additional wrinkle that says, like, you know, don't just think back on it. Like, we're be active about it. And I think that plays into the whole, like, must also that we always bring up. Yes. Like, it's, it's not just, like, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. It's about acting on it and living that way. So I, I liked it.
0: Yeah. No, definitely. I'm glad I'm, I'm, I'm glad we agree there. And um, so we learned the origin of the Your Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man note here. Uh, we probably should have mentioned that when we were talking about the Clash and Spidey battle. Which I thought it was a cute detail because that's like one of those little like pieces of minutia that I don't really think about. And to see it here, I was like, oh, that's that's fun. I'm glad that that got brought up because when did Spider-Man actually start doing that? You know what I mean?
1: I, I'm I'm seeing a uh, uh, an inspiration for a post for my site uh, here, Mark. The first oh. time that the Spider-Man note showed up.
0: Oh yeah, but do we, I mean do we count retroactive first times? I don't know. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, um, maybe not for Cause, that
0: feature, but because you know, and then I got to go back and check John Burns chapter one, since that's Ooh. technically the the true continuity, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, yeah, quick, no, rush I, I like I
1: liked that moment too, as soon as he started picking up that pad of paper, I was like, Here
0: it comes, yeah, um, no, I thought so that was I, a nice touch it didn't sound I mean, you know, yeah, I know you had your issues, but it didn't sound like you disliked this.
1: no, I liked it overall um I mean, one thing I do want to bring up, and I don't know if this is a negative, it's just something that like doesn't really it not, maybe doesn't irk me, but it kind of stuck out to me is um the idea that like um Humor is, like, the thing that got Peter back into being Spider-Man. Like, his humor is, is something that he's doing to kind of, like, continue the legacy of Uncle Ben. Right. Um, and I, I never really felt that way about Peter's humor. I always thought that it was his anxiety, for one, like, dealing with these supervillains just coming forward. Like, that's his way of dealing with it. And two, like, not his nerd rage, but, like you know his life is just constantly beating him down and when he puts that mask on he can become someone else that's not peter parker and isn't beholden to peter parker's life and so he gets to be free and he and he puts all of that like maybe like anger or pent up like frustration into comedy and takes it out on the villains like yeah. I, but it, I, I think this is an interesting wrinkle
0: I was going to say, I, I mean, I definitely agree with everything you said. I mean, I also feel that, I mean, he does use his humor as a weapon too, which he does do here. I mean, I think it is designed to disarm, yeah. his opponent and to take his, and, you know, and to get into his his opponent's head. I mean, in large part because you know what you know what he lacks in physical might, he makes up for in terms of his quick wit and humor and whatnot. Do you have a favorite
1: uh, humor moment
0: in this comic or overall? Oh,
1: overall, like of Peter cracking a joke at at a villain
0: to disarm oh. him. Off the top of my head, I can't think of one. What, what what about you? Oh,
1: I just always think about the ultimate Spider-Man Kingpin arc. Oh. Where he yeah. like whips out the notes and tries your uh you're so fat jokes on him.
0: Yeah, I was just say, if we're gonna go to the ultimate, then I would definitely agree with that. Because yeah. that that is that is and I mean, you know, between that and, you know, Spider Man falling down the glass window it's like that's like just one of the funniest comics i've ever read with spider-man in it
1: yeah or uh (laughs) or webbing him to uh to the cherry sitting in
0: yes (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah i'm trying to think in terms of mainstream in terms of like really good funny lines um that's just so you know what like i mean his humor is such a such a Common part of the the legacy, and yet I can't I can't just like rattle off like one liners like that, which is just odd to me. Maybe maybe I don't read Spider Man for the humor. I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I mean, I can't really think of that many from Amazing Spider Man because most of the humor in that book is um, it's meant to be kind of like throwaway puns. I think. Yeah. Whereas I think Bendis in Ultimate Spider Man like really makes a point of like him being like kind of a prankster.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, Johnny Storm, the solo version. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. Um, Ramon Perez remains to be said is continues to be awesome, right?
1: Yeah, and I really appreciate that Dan Slott gave him a moment to do a double-page spread here because it was awesome.
0: Yeah, yeah. Although it is kind of – you know, it's uh, and I understand that that spread is all about celebrating like you know great moments in Spidey history and all that. But I, 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 you know, I always find it odd like whenever we keep going back to this well, there's always like that that image of like Peter holding Gwen with his fist in the air. I'm like, you know, it's just like it's just something that he would really be like reflecting on. as, like a greatest hit in his life. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah, I thought that too. He's like, it's going to be amazing, and then it's just horrible moments littering the background yeah
0: george stacy dead gwen stacy dead i mean him okay
1: clawing himself out from underneath the grave
0: at least that's a triumphant moment though you know what i mean like yeah i mean it's it's you know it's it's not a reflection of a failure you know whereas some of those other moments are are are, are very big reflections of failure. i can't
1: wait to experience my girlfriend and her father dying in my arms
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> because I, cause I, cause I screwed up <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> because crack or excuse me, snap. Thank you, yeah. Jerry Conway. All right, Dan. So you want to get to some grades?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mark, what'd you give this one?
0: Um, I, I gave it a B. I mean, you know, I think if, if it wasn't for some of the other issues, um, uh, you know, and by issues, I mean, individual comics have preceded this that I had such a major concerns with i I might have even gone a little bit higher on it but um but i thought that this was a much better ending than i was anticipating
1: and i'm giving it a b minus mostly because i feel like the lack of uh of finishing off several of the storylines uh kind of dampens hampers it as as an ending
0: fair enough well why don't we get this in comments and emails dan Well, this is the part of the show where we read your your comments that you leave for us on iTunes and Stitcher and then also answer some of your emails. Uh, so, of course, uh, with, with your comments, we, we take them. You can s- subscribe to our podcast through iTunes and Stitcher. And then when you do, uh, we really would appreciate it if, if you left us a rating, left us a comment, let us know what you thought. We'll read it on the air if you like us. Even if you don't like us, we'll read it and you know, get, get your handle named up, uh, put out on, on the uh, interwebs that way if that's actually an incentive. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then in terms of email, you can hit us at AmazingSpiderTalk at gmail.com. Yeah. Uh, so, so Dan, what's our first comment here?
1: So um, our first comment comes from B Spidey G and um, it's – the title is uh, Keeping Up the Superior Status, 5 out of 5. And uh, B Spidey G says, ever since the third episode of Superior Spider Talk, I've been hooked. Dan and Mark really know their crap. I, I know my crap pretty well, Mark.
0: Yeah, I sometimes know my crowd. Uh
1: So he says, uh, when first I heard of Amazing Spider-Talk, I immediately binge-listened to the entire series in approximately a week. Whew. Uh, though sometimes I feel their Amazing Friends episodes can kind of drag on, I'm still <laughs> impressed that they can get the guests. Even so, that can't bump down the rating for excellence. Keep up the good work.
0: Can it really be our fault that some of our guests like to talk um, and share stories of the past. And I mean, you know,
1: <laughs> I mean, I guess I could ask them less questions. Yeah. I know that some of our recent ones, uh, I won't make, say any names, but
0: they're a little long in the tooth.
1: Um, um
0: well, well, we'll, 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 try and be a little more concise in our questioning next time. I, 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 think, uh, um, an upcoming episode that we, we hope to have soon. will will hopefully be a little more tighter, but should also be a lot of fun for us. Um,
1: Yeah, and uh, just, like, you know, talking about how the sausage is made, like, doing these interviews are, like, partially guilty pleasures from Mark and I, or not even partially, completely.
0: I would say, yeah, don't, 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 you know, we don't have to mince words here. We're we're, we're, we're we're, (laughs) amongst friends.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We're happy to share them with you guys, but, like, you know, we talk for a long time It's because that's something that, like, we're really excited to do, so... uh, you know. I mean, if you're amazed that we got these guests, imagine how we feel.
0: I was going to say, I was, I, I know I was personally quite giddy when I was like, let's talk to Jerry Conway about Amazing Spider-Man too." Wait, he's going to do it. All right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Jerry freaking Conway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know how like you guys view us, but like really Mark and I are just kind of like two guys who like Spider-Man comics. We don't have any kind of, like, special insider, like, connections and stuff. I, I guess now we kind of do, but... I think we're still those weird five-year-old kids that, like, look up to these guys as our heroes, so.
0: Let's, let's. I mean, yeah. You know, just to put this in context, you know, before we started recording the session, Dan and I were talking about some guests that are going to be in some upcoming cons in our neighborhoods, and, and, and one of the ones that Dan might go to, Len, Len Wein's going to be there. I'm like, Len Wein, oh my god, you gotta talk to him!
1: <laughs> and it's literally going to consist of me walking up to Len Wein and being like, do you want to talk to us?
0: if he's like, sure, we're going to like, yeah, it's the guy who invented Stegron. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and that was exactly how our conversation went. So Yeah,
0: pretty much, pretty much. Yeah. It's like, so, oh, this guy was the anchor on these five issues. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, if, like, if you
1: guys don't want to listen to him, like, just don't. But, like, Mark and I are, like,
0: stars children. They're going to keep coming, so. folks. Brace yourselves. <laughs> Amazing Spider Friends are coming.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 prepare yourselves for, for a bunch of these things. And you know what? They're extra and fun, anyway. So I, you know, I hope you guys just take what you want from them.
0: Yes. Yeah. You mean? Wait. You mean? I can get Peter David to talk about the Hobgoblin again. <laughs> <laughs> no more go- that,
1: Hobgoblin talk, Mark. I'm forbidden. Story that's
0: it. thirty years old. We got to. <laughs> Um, let me, let me uh, get to this email here from good friend of the show, uh, Tom Aiello. Tom, Tom is always writing us, Dan. I, I, and so, so this time around, Tom is talking about um, his own uh, quest to collect Amazing Spider-Man. He's dubbing it his Amazing Chase. And he asked Dan, uh, are there, are there, is there any advice that we can offer to help um, complete his run? Um, well, Dan, um, what, what, what do you do to, you know, what, what pointers do you have?
1: Well, I mean, I you know, I've talked to Tom about this personally, but um you know, one of the things to to, to Tom and to to everybody is I would go to spiderfan dot org um and uh check out they have this uh checklist there that you can download that has almost every comic Spider Man's been in on it. And I just highlight the boxes when, you know, when I, when I get it, it gives me, I mean, it's fun to have it so I can see like all the spaces left on my chase, you know, and now that it's down to three, it's like these big glaring three holes, you know? Um, Yeah. And, uh, you know, Mark, you're down to one. Do you have any kind of visual representation of, of your chase?
0: Um, You know, what I, what I did um, for the longest time, it, it was kind of like this moment where like everything flipped and that was when I knew that I was getting close Is I used to go to shows and cons and stuff. And I would have a printout of every issue of amazing Spider-Man that I owned. Yeah. Uh, cause, cause remember I'm only collecting, I only collect amazing Spider-Man. I don't, I mean like I, I buy other comics with Spider-Man in it. I buy other comics period, but I collect amazing Spider-Man. That's, that is the series I, I aspire to own every single issue. Maybe the annual someday, Maybe. Uh. You just like
1: to you just like to keep digging that knife deeper.
0: I know, I know. Um, you know, maybe maybe the parallel lives one shot and the hooky one shot too. You're gonna, are we you're gonna kinda... get those before you get the annuals. And are we are we are, are, are we counting those? <laughs> <laughs> Spider-Man vs. Wolverine. I guess we have to include.
1: <laughs> I have actually never seen that one live, like in person. So
0: I, I actually know. We saw I saw it when we were at Connecticut together in 2013. I I, I think they wanted like 40 bucks for it. I was like, no. Oh. Not, I'm not, that's, that's, that, that's a comic written out of spite. I don't know if I want to pay 40 bucks. For i <laughs> give you uh,
1: 40 spite dollars.
0: Exactly. I, I, I'll, I'll make like Jim Owsley slash Christopher priest and just be like, um, what's in that comic? Well, maybe it's something different just cause Tom DeFalco said so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, so I used to have a list of everything that I did have, and then um, I think somewhere around the point that where it became that I had more issues than I didn't have, I, I more or less flipped the list around, and it became like, okay, here are all the issues that I don't have, and then I would just I would like, cross them off. And I even remember like going to a show with a friend who was a very casual comic book fan one time, uh, and at this point, I still probably had maybe about a hundred issues left to go, and. You know, I'm like jumping from like table to table and, and knocking things off the list. And he was just kinda like, Wow, you you you've you've gotten a lot. How many do you have left? And he's like, Oh wow, you still have like eighty-three comics left on this list. I'm like, Yeah, it's gonna take a while. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, I mean, beyond keeping track of, of our comics, you know, I guess the next thing to talk about is like where we buy them from and how much we're willing to spend, but you know, uh, yeah, I think that's I mean, probably personal to the person collecting. But for, for me, buying things, like, what, what do you feel, Mark, about, like, buying things at a con in terms of, like, availability?
0: I, it depends on the con. I mean, like, the, the big cons, I don't like doing it. I, I feel that people overcharge. I feel that, you know, the, the one thing that you get at a con is they'll, they'll have, if you're looking for a comic, you'll probably find it. Like, I've gone to cons and there's, like, tables that have, like, eight Amazing Fantasy 15s at the table. You know what I mean? And you're just kind of like, wow. I still,
1: I still beat myself up because it was a 6 out of 10 Amazing Fantasy 15 for $5,000. Yeah. And I have a picture of it. Yeah, And I know I'll never find that ever again.
0: No, definitely not. Was it, like, a restored copy or something? No, or?
1: it wasn't even restored. I don't know what it was doing there. And this was early in my quest to have them all. So I was like, I don't need that one yet, and I don't need to spend that kind of money. But, like, looking at that now, I mean, if you see a really great deal, like, one of the things is maybe you don't want to spend that kind of money, but if you think you can resell that, like, I could have sold that for a lot more and then bought an Amazing Fantasy fifteen with the difference and basically gotten a free Amazing Fantasy fifteen, you know?
0: Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I do like going to, like, you know, I, I find that this is a distinction between, like, cons and shows. Um, and, like, you know, shows, like, I, I don't know if there's a whole lot of them anymore. But, you know, like, they're typically held in, like, you know, bingo halls and, and uh, uh, you know, hotel lobbies and stuff like that. <laughs> and, yeah. and, you know, those are places that, you know, there's usually a decent dollar box. There's usually some, some back issues. Um, I, I've done a lot of purchasing that way i mean as as impersonal as this is i I probably acquired about thirty percent of my collection through my dot com oh I mean that's just like i mean that site i mean dan do you do you use my comic shop at all?
1: No, I have never bought um any of my collection over
0: the internet um wow, all
1: of it has been in person
0: well, I mean for those who are unfamiliar, my comic shop is um it's actually um, the website for uh, Lone Star Comics, which is this comic book shop based out of Texas. I think they think they are considered the biggest comic book shop in the world, um, and they have their 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 back issue catalog is something to the extent of like five hundred thousand different comics or something like that. I mean, they it's it's and they have everything from modern, gold and silver. Their prices are very fair, and their grading is very conservative which i like it's it's you know like if they say something is a fine i'll get it and i'll be like yeah, that might be a very fine or that might be you know something's a very good i'm like no that's probably a fine you know what i mean like like i feel that they they err on the side of um of of caution when it comes to their grading they don't want to get i guess called out for 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 overgrading something um so with that in mind i feel like you get a good deal i mean you know, and, and um, what I ended up doing through them was I bought a lot of like like the bronze age issues. Um, like, you know, like the the, the one hundred you know, a lot in the one hundreds. Uh, and then I was able to fill some gaps and issues that I was missing from like the two hundreds and three hundreds and four hundreds. Uh, because they just have it. You, you you go there, they in and and you know, and if they don't have it right away, check back in a month and they'll probably have it. Um yeah. I mean, in terms of like the older, older issues. I mean, a lot of the stuff is like auction for them, and I, I i get I get a little wheezy on auctions because I've done that a few times, but not through their site, but through like eBay and stuff. And then I get like kind of like conned into paying more than I want to for something. Yeah. Um, but I would I would recommend that site as like you know a starting point. I mean, if for no other reason that then you can get a sense of what a fair price is because I feel that their pricing is is that is that fair and honest.
1: I mean, I, one of the things that I'm thinking about while hearing, listening to you talk is about, like, lessons that I wish I knew before I started my quest. And um, one of the big ones is, like, anything like issue 50 and up, Pretty mu- you can, like, find pretty much anywhere. Uh, yeah. Like, I remember paying good money for, like, Hobgoblin issues and stuff. And you can find them all the time. And, and one of the things that I, I realized after a little while was, like, Wait for free comic book day when people put on massive sales of bargain you know, bargain boxes. And when you go to cons, go straight for the $0.50 cents and, a do- and dollar bins first. Because these comics are more plentiful than you think. Um, and, like, so I, you know, I've got my entire – this is probably a rare find. But, like, a lot of collecting is getting rare finds. So, like, I got my entire collection of the entire McFarlane run – because it was in a uh, uh, a back issue box, and the store I went to said all back issues a dollar um, that are in the boxes. And so I said, "Does that apply to these?" And he said, "Yeah." And I grabbed every single McFarlane issue for a buck, um, which saved me a ton of money. Um, and these things are, are are aren't difficult to find. There are a few issues like the ones after using Spider Man are, are are difficult to find because of the print, like, volume was so low. But, uh, I mean, do you agree with that, Mark?
0: Yeah, I mean, I mostly agree with that, Dan. I mean, I would just, you know, in terms of your post-issue 50 thing, I would just say, you know, there are a few exceptions, like the Death of Gwen, Death of Green Goblin issues, the First Punisher, you know, basically all the big Jerry Conway issues, I guess. Um, but, but, no, I mean, I, I, I definitely agree with that. Like, you know, don't feel, which is, again, another reason why, like, um, I got a lot of those issues online because I, uh, you know, like they they were there, they're available and, and, you know, the pricing was, was reasonable. I didn't, you know, but, but like, you know, if you can do like a dollar box or buy things in a, in a lump sum too, that helps too.
1: Yeah. And most stores that have like issues in like cases up behind the register, like 10, like nine times out of 10, they're massively, uh, like overpriced. Yes. Um, Now, there are some shops like my Twilight Zone comics in Maryland that will do that stuff, and it'll be really cheap. And uh, that goes to my next point would be like if you live in a major metropolitan area, like buying back issues is probably way more expensive than it needs to be. Like find a small shop in the middle of nowhere that's trying to get rid of stuff or make like quick money. Like – Places that have stuff up on the wall for a while aren't feeling the pressure to sell it, and so they keep it at a more inflated price. So go in with your iPhone and look up the prices of what things are selling for on eBay, and like, don't look at what the auctions that are ongoing; look at completed auctions and see what people are willing to pay for this stuff.
0: There you go, Dan.
1: Is that good enough?
0: I think so. Awesome. So why don't we talk? So why don't we give away some prizes? show you how to, and when will you be then? <laughs> you belong, you belong, you belong, you belong to the Merry Marble Marching Society. March along, march along, march along to the song of the Merry Marble Marching Society. If you growl, if you groan, with the dour sour of, we we'll give you howl, if you moan, you can lose your sour crust, to keep give me trim, is the time of the podcast where we thank all the wonderful people who have decided to donate some of their hard-earned money to the show and have opted to join the friendly neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club. Uh, what are some of the benefits of the Spider Talk Members Club? Well, you know, there's these free comics that we're about to give away, and uh, hopefully uh, you downloaded and listened to the uh, listener request episode that Dan and I conducted uh, earlier this month. That's right. Dan and I took requests from you to talk about some of your favorite arcs and storylines in Spidey history. And even though there were some stories that Dan and I weren't necessarily a big fan of, <laughs> we, we, we grinned and bared it and did it for you, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, Mark, I, if if I'm not correct, you still owe the listeners a you dancing to emo music in the streets video.
0: I do. I do. Um, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe I'll come through with that if, if we get another deluge of uh, of donations over the next couple weeks you're holding this video hostage i'm raising the bar i want i, I, I want i want some donations uh, what's the best nation in the land well the united states but then it's donation okay <laughs> <laughs> i'll take this anti-american crap here <laughs> so dan what are some of the comics we're giving away i
1: don't know mark i'm glad you're a proud patriot
0: <laughs> america
1: yeah Okay, yeah. Like like we do every uh episode. We like give away some free digital code. So um we have four to give away this time. And uh you know, I randomly you know, assign numbers to all the people that are donating to us and then assign numbers to the comics and through some math magic I come up with comics to give away to people. So the comics we're giving away uh and are Miles Morales Ultimate Spider Man number five is going to Adam Chapman. Um, Edge of the Spider Verse number one to Tom Ayello. Edge of the Spider Verse number two to Peter Spearbrecher. And Superior Spider Man number 33, which we're about to discuss, to James Winstead. So, uh, congratulations. You'll get an email with your prize inside.
0: All right, yes. And if you'd like to become a member of the Friendly Neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club and help support our show, please go to our sites and click on the giant button that reads Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Tuck Members Club. (sighs) And why did we name it that? I I just don't know. Just don't know. All right, well, let's talk about Superior Spider-Man 33. I'd like to be Under the sea In an octopus Garden in the shade. He'd let us in, knows where we've been in his octopus's garden in the shade. All right, right. Superior Spider Man number 33, the second part of this prologue to Edge of Spider Verse. And, and Dan, I, I just want to start by saying, you know, and granted, these last two issues have been obviously focused on the Spider-Ock character, but, you know, I couldn't help but read this issue and, you know, hear all this talk about, you know, Peter Parker analogs and, you know, there's only one, you know, Superior Spider-Man and all that and not think that maybe this story should have been the finale to Superior Spider-Man in terms of where it was going thematically. What about you?
1: Well, I'm certainly enjoying this story more than I enjoyed Goblin Nation. Um, I don't know. So that's that, one if thing. You, if you agree, <laughs> but like, yeah. Um, I mean, Dan Slott has said that this was a story arc that he wanted to do with Superior, and it's you know, especially considering this is his Superior titled book, it feels very strongly about that character and. um
0: but I just feel like, I mean, you know, we've talked about this ad nauseum about when during the Superior Era that, I mean, you know, for me, like I always felt the book was at its best when it was kind of a, you know, an analysis and a referendum on what it is, to, who what it means to be Spider-Man, who is the true Spider-Man. you know, obviously, Oc defeated Peter initially, but, you know, Peter proves his worth in the end. And, you know, whereas with Goblin Nation, we kind of got this very forced moment of of – of awareness from from otto i feel like you know within within spider-verse here you know where these if i'm reading the tea leaves correctly i mean i think that you know otto's folly is going to be more damning and and quite frankly this idea of you know who is the true spider-man well you know we're dealing with a with a storyline that's looking at every spider-man ever and and you know if the if the resolution of that is it's Peter Parker, which, I mean, you know, it is his book, so I hope it is. Um, I just feel that that's a neater resolution to what we got with Superior. So I, I just, you know, like it's one of those things where, you know, in my write-up on Chasing Amazing, I talked about it almost as a negative, not not because I didn't like the story. I did a lot, um, but because it's almost, it almost feels like a, a like a, like a uh, regressive narrative, you know, like, I, like I, these are, these are beats that I wish we had arrived at, you know, when they should have been arrived at. <laughs> um, so just, just throwing that out there. Um, I mean, in its know. very
1: essence, it's a regressive narrative and, and I agree with you, Mark, although I do think that a lot of your, um, your complaints about, uh, a, a, and the merits you find in this book about maybe it being the better ending to superior, uh, Spider-Man really come down to, like, the Goblin Nation just wasn't a well-written story. And if that was well-written, I think it would have been a perfectly fine ending uh, to that series. Fair um, enough.
0: But, Definitely fair enough. But,
1: but that... uh, I do think um, that this book does illuminate some, uh, some interesting questions about editorial and how it's affected the Spider-Man you know, universe and the stories we've been getting. And you and I have complained about the opening arc of Amazing Spider-Man. This one we just uh, concluded. And this one seems so much more thought out and and so much more character-oriented. I have to think, like, Dan Slott is being a bit overworked right now and prepping for this series, which is going to have so many tie-in books and so many things going on. I wonder if he just kind of quickly put together the first six issues and strung it along as long as he could so that it could alleviate some of his workload and prepare for this story, which even just from these two introductory issues feels so much more thought out than than that one did.
0: Yeah, I mean like you you can feel that there's some real stuff being set up here. I mean even – I mean, even the B story, which granted was written by Christos Gage, but the, it, it even feels like the B story of this issue is going to play a role, and there's going and there were stakes involved, and it's gonna, you know, it's the Chekhov Czechos, the Chekhovian gun, you know, like it's 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 gonna come back. It's this, these these there are ideas being presented, seeds being planted that you know are gonna pay off one way or another, and I I, I think that was probably the biggest flaw of many with that opening arc for ASM was this. You know, like, what 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 what's going to be paid off from that? You know, Felicia's like insane heel turn. I mean, Electro's loss of power. I I I don't. I, you know, it just kind of felt like a there uh, arc that 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 there were no stakes. And you know, if I I don't. You know, I'm sure we're gonna. I mean, obviously Silk is gonna be a big part of history going forward. But even that, it just it it. This this feels like. There's, there's more, like you said, more thought that went into it, more planning. You know, I'm, I, I, I feel that, you know, the beginning, and the middle, and the end, maybe has been plotted out. It might, have, you know, this, this kind of going back to the initial argument. I mean, this might be something that that has been plotted out for a very long time now. You know, like that. I mean, you know, Dan Slott wanted to do this during the Superior Era, and he, and they told him they had to wait until Peter was back. So, I mean. This is obviously an idea he's had that he's been working with for a really long time, and I think that that the craftsmanship is shown in in these two issues here.
1: I mean, that said, Christos Gage
0: is the one on script here. That's true, but it's still Dan Slott's plot. I mean, you know. I I just
1: wanted to highlight that Gage is involved again.
0: Yeah, Uh, no. I think
1: there is a different flavor to Superior Spider-Man when it's Gage and Slot working together than when it's just Slot.
0: True, but they were working together in Goblin Nation, and that didn't feel thought out. That is true. That is true. Um, but I know but, what you're saying. I, I don't. I don't disagree in general. Just, just in terms of that. I don't want to uh,
1: um, bemoan editorial. I mean, especially being an editor of my own site. Like, I do think editors have a place and can offer good vision. But there are so many like what ifs and 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 scenarios where I wish I knew how the sausage. Was made in terms of editorial mandate. Uh, I know I had, you know, Ray Sumser's comic on my site this past week making fun of editorial mandate. Um, but like, there are so many times I feel like editors are poking their head into things and, and messing with stories that end up not being beneficial. I'm, um, and both in Amazing Spider-Man and in like Ultimate Spider-Man, where you can feel the heavy hand of the editorial mandate leaning on these things.
0: Yeah, I mean. I know what you're saying, but I mean, like, you know, who, that, I think it goes higher up than even like the book editors. I mean, like, like, I, I, I mean, we're, we're talking like executive level. I mean, the, 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 the Axel Alonzo's the Brevorts the Joe Quesada's and, and, and like, I don't know, like that's, that, that's a thankless job. I mean, you know, I'm an editor of my site and everything, but you know, like, I also, I mean, I worked at a newspaper for years, and you know, the person who got beat up the most was the editor in chief, you know, yeah, even, right. when, even when even it had nothing to do with him. I mean, like, I, I'm not disagreeing with you, but it's just like, you know, I, 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 when, when the issues that we're talking about, I don't think this was something that was under Whacker's purview or Nick Lowe's now or anything like that. I think this is this is a much higher mandate than that, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, we, I mean, it's no mistake that Superior ended with the release of Amazing Spider-Man Two, you know, right. So anyway, let's talk about this particular issue.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. Um it was. It was a re- I thought this was a really solid issue. I mean, I. I, I am. I am enjoying this story. I am enjoying Spider Rock being back. The the ego, the arrogance. I mean, you know, there there were some. Th- there were some things that kind of left me as- asking some questions at the end. But, you know, there were a lot of fun reveals. I, I liked the opening reveal with the cyborg Spider Man, kind of like, oh, you got me, and you know, you got a gun in the eye, kind of a thing. I enjoyed that um, a lot. Um, I liked, you know, talking about editorial stuff, um, hey, you know, double splash page with a little bit of an identifier for all of these spider man including the Earths that they came from. How hard was that? Like, And did, did, did that visually look terrible to you, Dan? No. I mean, I had someone... You know, on my site kind of scold me for suggesting that, saying, oh, it would clutter the page too much. And, and you know, I I call balderdash on that. I mean, you know, I, I that's, all, that's all I was talking about. That's all I felt that was needed for this story. I hope they continue to do it as we do more of these uh, crossovers and Spider-Verse stories because, you know, like not everybody knows who – Spider-Woman from, you know, Old Man Logan is, you know, like it's just like <laughs> It's it's uh, definitely
1: better than like if they were to just label every character in the scene like uh something like the All-New Ultimates does where it's like for those who weren't keeping up, this is who every character is. I can't even imagine what that would be like in this series.
0: Right. But I mean what they did there I think is fine enough. That's for me. Um,
1: (laughs) Mark, that was a personal, uh, like they should have put an editor's note. This one's for you, Mark.
0: Thank you. Thank you. I hope so. Uh, you know, I I hope to hear, hear one from me, 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 Nick or whatever. There will be a
1: day where you and I are the only two people buying these books in print and they will literally be letters to us.
0: Yes. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I also like that. I mean, these these villains in this book are, are real threats, which I think is really important. I mean, and, and like logical threats. I mean, you know, uh, you know, Morlin and Karn and this family of this kind of these mystical, you know, blood suckers um, or totem suckers, totemic suckers. Uh, Dan, what, what did you think?
1: Well, I think it's interesting, one, that we got Morlin has a family. It's something I yes. never expected. I mean, I guess he had to appear from somewhere.
0: I was say, you know what? Evil, vampiric uh, overlords can't have families? I mean, come on.
1: Yeah. One thing it, I do want to point out, though, and this bugs me, uh, yeah. is that they're all wearing this kind of Renaissance garb, like French Renaissance garb or whatever you want to call it. Right. Um, do you know why Moreland wears that, Mark?
0: Well, isn't it something about uh, he can't find something that fits him or something or...
1: Yeah, when he comes to New York for the first time, he's wearing something completely different, and that's just an outfit that his like partner, his his like slave man, finds for him, and he does he doesn't particularly even like it. He just it just it fits him because he's a large dude, and now we have this kind of retroactive thing where they're all wearing that. Um,
0: well, I gotta say, Dan, that didn't remotely bug me. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like it's
1: like the same thing like in the Star Wars movies where like. Obi-Wan Kenobi is wearing, like, a a robe and a hood, and it's because he's trying to hide on Tatooine and blend in with everyone, but then the prequels come out, and every Jedi wears that, and it's like, well, way to give yourself away, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like, it's this misunderstanding of why that costume was worn. You know what I'm saying? Nerd
0: alert, nerd alert, (laughs) nerd (laughs) alert.
1: Oh, come on. That's a legit complaint.
0: I mean <laughs> I guess I guess what what I will say to just outright dismiss everything you said. No, I'm not outright dismissing it, but um, you know, I, I, like there's just this there's this vibe to Moreland and the family where I feel that the attire is appropriate. Like I like I feel like, you know, a theme of this story that I don't know if people are talking enough about is this kind of like mysticism versus science. It's yeah. you know, I mean like Otto is, is failing in his battle against these guys because, you know, he, he's, you know, he relies on science and technology and, 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 and the, and, and, you know, these guys are a force that are, you know, much more powerful and greater than that. And, um, and he can't make those adjustments because he, you know, he, he, he dismisses that as, 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 you know, as, as fooey or hogwash or whatever you're. Whatever your term of choice is, so, um, I mean, granted, you can you can you can be, I guess, a mystic and and not look like you're from medieval times, but you know, then I guess someone should talk to Doctor Strange about that too, you know.
1: I would love to see whatever god tree it is that like controls this totemic spider stuff, because you know how many spider gods have we've gotten? We've got like Madame Web, who's like tapped in to some the almighty web of destiny. And then we've got, you know, this new guy that we meet in this one. Um, what was his name? I'm not ah. sure. It's like the, whatever, some spider God character who can unravel time. Right. And then right. We've also got that like creepy spider thing from the Ezekiel days. Um, right. You know, down in South America. Like how does this all relate <laughs> to each and don't other? Don't forget
0: about Julie Taymor's Arachna.
1: Oh, yes, you're right. <laughs> uh, who can forget about Arachna?
0: And Julie Taymor. And, and, um, I
1: try to every day.
0: Um, no, I hear you. I hear you. Um, <laughs> I mean, this but... not a
1: complaint. I would just like there to be some kind of, you know, and then there's that whole story that's told about a Anansi that gives the powers, and it's like, okay, which, <laughs> what, what are we going with here? Yeah.
0: <laughs> the
1: other? I mean, don't even get me talking about the other.
0: Yes. Uh <gasps> So um, we 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 get an interesting moment between Otto and uh, hologram Anna Maria in this issue. Do you want to talk about that?
1: Oh yeah, I mean I think it's you know I I expected that to happen, but I love that he like reveals himself to not be Peter to this hologram, which is not a thinking thing, and and demands that it like call him Otto when he's alone, and it's a tender moment, um, but like. You know, he, it, but he's really reaching for straws here. Like how much he like still wishes that like someone would acknowledge him, and you can see how much that still hurts him. And I, I, I like that. I, I miss that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Although you know, like I really we we talked about this. I think a few podcasts ago. I really hope this isn't setting the stage where like you know Anna Maria brings Otto back because you know like all of a sudden it's okay. The fact that he killed somebody and took over his body and then, you know, made her fall in love with, not made her fall in love, but you know what I mean? Like, and she fell in love with this person who wasn't exact, wasn't who he said he was, you know? And, but that's okay because he's Otto and he's better now. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I mean, I didn't really see it as a redeeming moment for him.
0: No, no. If anything, it just shows how
1: massive his ego is.
0: Not here. No, definitely not. I'm just saying this, 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 you know, I, I I, saw that moment and and did pause to think, is that foreshadowing a moment where Anna Maria will be calling somebody Otto and it would will be Otto? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, who yeah. knows? Hey, like, well,
1: you know, that's actually an interesting um, uh, place to go back. You were speaking earlier about how this is kind of like a regressive narrative. And, you know, literally it's back in time. It's supposed to be around like, issue 19 of uh, Superior Spider-Man. Right. Um, but, you know, one of the things I expected from this series was that we would see him transported back to New York by the Horizon crew. Right. And that very much doesn't happen at the end here.
0: Yeah. So there's still a lot of, you know, unanswered questions about, you know, why did he come back to New York looking like, you know, he just had the crap kicked out of him and he was calling himself Dr. Octopus, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, are we are we going to see... Him go through the entire Spider-Verse event like in the future only to return back to the past. I mean there's a lot of – it opens a lot of like questions like why doesn't he know that he failed? You, You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I mean, (laughs) could this whole thing end with Superior Spider-Man returning for good and Peter being dead again?
1: (laughs) I mean, it would just be weird. Like, I could see them very easily spinning a new Superior Spider-Man series or, you know, relaunching the series. And, like, I would hope that they would address that, like, this is supposed to be a flashback.
0: Right. Um. No, I I, I don't know where where they're going with this, but I I do agree that it's going to probably end with a superior series because, I mean, these, these, you know, like it or like it or not, like these books are just good books. You know what I mean? Like, like even even when even when they're not great, they're still good. And, and, and I think a lot of it has to do with this character, you know, there's, there's this, and, and, you know, I, we talked about this at length towards the end of superior that, you know, we, we, you know, it was time for Peter to come back, you know, and, and, and this is, but I just feel that what, you know, slot is infinitely more inspired when he's writing Otto than he is Peter right now.
1: Yeah. I think he gets that voice a lot more too. Like he just understands that voice.
0: And, you know. I don't know what the solution is. I mean, maybe maybe we need a new writer for Peter, but keep Dan Slott doing Superior. You know, like I, I if, like I don't see that happening. But you know, maybe that's maybe that's a direction. I mean, you know, maybe just hone Dan's focus on the Spider Verse on this one character because he gets it so right. You know, like I don't know. Sorry, uh, my,
1: my notes literally say, "God, I miss Otto as Spider Man." I never thought I'd say that.
0: <laughs> well, so there you go. I I agree with you. Um, in terms of in terms of things that do give me pause, though, um, was I the only one who got a maximum carnage vibe from the end of this of this comic with with Otto and and the assassin Spider Man and and Spider Woman kind of talking about well we're the only ones you know we we've seen the dark side and you know we'll it's not even just about killing but it's about you know kind of like. Killing and wanting to kill, you know, like meaning to kill, (laughs) kill like you mean it. (laughs) Um, And I was definitely getting like flashbacks to like Venom and Spider-Man, like over the span of 14 very repetitive issues um, going back and forth about that point. Well, Um, I don't
1: think we have that to be afraid of because we're only getting six issues of this story.
0: Okay. And I think there's going to be
1: plenty to cover.
0: Okay, um, but yeah, I see yeah. what
1: you're saying, but I don't think that's the problem with Maximum Carnage. I actually think that's one of the few strengths of ma- Maximum Carnage.
0: Well, the point the point made the first time is a strength. The point made the eleventh time is repetitive and poor storytelling. Right. And, I, you know, I, I, I completely and, agree. And de- decompressed storytelling that would even make Bendis be like, "Whoa, that's just way too decompressed." But <laughs> here's
1: the interesting thing that that I thought about it is like. You know, if it's meant to set up a parallel with Peter, like, you know, the, you know, people who are willing to kill and not, Peter doesn't really have the high ground here because he's killed Moreland twice. Um, right. You know, and it, and it showed that if pushed to his mortal coil, Peter will take actions that could potentially kill the person that's yeah. doing it to
0: him. Like, but I don't even kind of dismiss that point to say, you know, it's not that they haven't killed. It's, 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 they haven't experienced what we've experienced. You know, like I said, it's this, it's this kill because they want to not kill because they had to. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I, I, I absolutely feel you. I mean, I don't know that I feel like they're all like giddy about killing, but the, no, I they know. know that I it's know. the only thing they can do in this situation. and, You know, it'll be interesting to see if Peter references the fact that he used radiation to kill Moreland the first time. Like, there's just going to be a scene where they're all just injecting themselves with like serious radiation. Right. I don't know.
0: I'm not pure, but you're dead. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, Peter Parker from 1932. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, how about that B story? With with the family Karn. Family Moreland.
1: Well, I, I liked it. I thought that I mean, in terms of the art, I thought the design of the characters was a little too similar at times. I was like, okay, who is who here?
0: That's yeah, true. Um uh
1: and you know, it was but I think in terms of like effectiveness, it really sets up Karn as a really interesting character that you know and and maybe like kind of like um you know, an archetypal character of this, you know. Uh, you know, guy rejected from the family l- looking to make amends, you know. Um, right. But there's a lot of dramatic, like almost Shakespearean potential there, I think.
0: Although I got to say, I mean, not, you know, so I guess spoiler alert, but I mean, this guy's totally going to like be the one who betrays Moreland, right? I mean, that just seems academic, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if it doesn't happen, we, you know, I would be more shocked.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah, will, he
1: will defect and give them the information. Um, I mean, it just seems like that's going to have to be what it is.
0: Yeah, I mean.
1: He's like the Luke Skywalker of. Uh... Well, maybe not that. Maybe not that. that's That's not a good parallel, but. But <laughs> no, he's the Darth
0: looks... Vader here. As long as he's not Fredo. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe
1: he is uh, Fredo. Oh. They'll kill him on a boat or something. There
0: we go. It was you it was you, Carn, all alone. Yeah. <laughs> all alone.
1: <laughs> What's weird though is in these stories is Moreland is not really taking like a um like a, a front and center uh place here. Um it'll be yeah. interesting to see what makes him special because, you know, in, in Amazing Spider Man number uh what was it five, you know, we saw him, you know, definitively like seemingly on earth or somewhere you know awakened like what what is it about Morlin that makes it different you know what i mean
0: yeah the spider bride or, or, or. <laughs> whatever um, that is
1: oh man i forgot yeah. about that this is all gonna play in somehow
0: yeah but but you know but at least there won't be a variant cover for it no i don't <laughs> <laughs> um anything else you want to hit upon here on this on this comic game
1: Um, not really, although I do, I do think, you know, and this is, this was on your site, so I don't know if you want to talk about this, Mark, but one of your, uh, fans (laughs) mentioned this.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, Cass, my, my, my good buddy Cass, um, he, 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 uh, is dealing with a separated shoulder right now because he was too busy patting himself on the back because he originally predicted, uh, way, way back in the day that, um, that Superior Spider-Man would go for 33 issues to mirror... The um the final chapter issue of Amazing Spider-Man, aka the um If this be my destiny arc, uh which is kind of considered like the pinnacle of Dick O'Le. Um, you know, there were five issues that followed, but you know, it's mainly just Peter complaining about like dumb hippies protesting. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just totally dismissed like that's very five great re- very Spider-Man reductionist. <laughs> He does complain about protesters in one issue. That is and, true, and, and that's one too many.
1: <laughs> there you go. Mark this, has this extrapolated random, one issue into five.
0: It was a random moment of of Randy and ideals. Um, but but Cass did predict predict that. So so Cass, congratulations, because Cass also was on the bandwagon of the Green Goblin was Peter Parker. Um, so you know you're batting five hundred. I guess I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well hey, let's How get, did I grades, get that wrong. <laughs> Let's get into some grades. Uh, I gave this a B+. Yeah, I gave it a B plus too. Very enjoyable.
0: Well, we agreed for like the first time in six months, I feel.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yay.
0: <laughs> why don't let's we take wrap home, up Dad. why
1: don't we wrap up the show then? Yeah. Of course, you can find all of our new Amazing Spider Talk and old Superior Spider Talk podcasts at superiorspidertalk.com or find us on iTunes and Stitcher by searching Amazing Spider Talk. And if you do, please make sure you leave us a rating and a comment to let us know how we're doing. And like we did today, we'll read it on the air. And if you have any opinions on these comics that we've discussed today or any questions at all, email them to us at AmazingSpiderTalk at gmail.com, and we'll address and read them on the air. We love hearing from you guys. So bring on the email.
0: Bring on the emails because it might lead to a 20-minute conversation about dollar bins and online websites. Um, Also, be sure to check out both of our Facebook pages at Facebook.com slash SuperiorSpiderTalk and Facebook.com slash amazing. Because these are great places to keep up with us In between shows We put up our articles, we talk news We, we chit chat, we put up photos We, we give each other likes it's, it's a great environment, right? I
1: give away free comics every now and again
0: Yeah, I can do that too But you know that requires the effort of Taking off the little tag in some of my comics And giving them away <laughs> <laughs> And damn it, I just don't have time for that
1: Yeah, no. yeah. and then there's me Who's just made of
0: time Yeah, well, you know, you you sleep three hours a night, so.
1: (laughs) That is true, that is true. Uh, But if you really want to get free comics, you know, and you really want to get in there, why not check out our friendly neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club that helps us support our show?
0: I think that's a great idea, Dan. Um, And I'll start giving away more free comics. I feel bad now. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So, Dan, where can we find you on the Internet?
1: Uh, of, uh, of course, you can find me on Twitter. You can follow my personal uh, Twitter account at, at Dan Gavazdin, but you can follow my Spider-Man Twitter account at, at @sup_spidertalk, where I put up all the news from my site and stuff. And I kind of been using that a lot more than my personal one. It.
0: I was gonna say, is there really a distinction at this point, Dan? <laughs>
1: yeah, I don't know. I I kind of I kind of feel like the Spider-Man stuff is slowly taking over my life. So you can, you if you follow both, you can actively watch how my life is absorbed. By uh, the Spider-Man stuff, um, based on the comparison of how much I use them, but um, but yeah. So uh, you can follow me there, and you can visit my website, SuperiorSpiderTalk.com, where we have all kinds of great Spider-Man stuff, comics, and features, and news, and reviews, and lists—all the goodies you could possibly want. Mark, about yourself.
0: Man, that sounds like one of the best Spider-Man sites sets out there
1: Mark Mark it's the, thank you for that really nice um, um bit of advertising there
0: one of the best if you uh, want to know if you uh, want to know the best uh, you can find me at my homepage www.chasingamazingblog.com that's one man's quest to collect every issue of Amazing Spider-Man and write himself silly talking about the new issues too uh <laughs> and then you can follow me on Twitter at ChasingASMblog um You can uh, find my uh, listicles about comic books on comicbook.com. We just actually did a couple of ones related to the season premiere of S.H.I.E.L.D. So if you like uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Agent Coulson and all that fun stuff, check that out. And um, Gimmick or Good, a good comic should be good, although I haven't done one of those in a while. So, you know, because some of uh, even I have limits, (laughs) but um, but um, I'm about to
1: discover mine.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say hitting the wall and hitting it hard, I guess. But oh, yeah. but um, but Dan I've just I was gonna say Dan, I'm just kidding. Your site is the best. So oh, there you go.
1: That's so sweet of you. No, yours is the best.
0: Oh right, right. Okay. <laughs> I need I need an army working for mine like you do. That's 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 that's, the, that's what I need. <laughs> One man's quest and twelve other people.
1: <laughs> hey, you know what? An army needs a commander, and that's me.
0: There you go. You're the general. General Gavazdan. <laughs> that's me.
1: That's, that's right. I, I, don't, um, I don't need to get too high and mighty here. My, oh, well, my writers are uh, uh, forced to be reckoned with.
0: Well, well, Dan, I was going to say, though, if you're going to be a general, please remember the advice of our great Uncle Ben, which is with great podcasts, there must also come amazing spider talk.